especially if you look at the on um, the grass is greener on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, Love historically, that. me, I am, you know, kind of curious. I think this industry for me is intellectually challenging because of the history, because of what it has done to our people, and because it is a plant. It is a plant that has been demonized, dogma, the stigma is there. It's a plant that we have that created some some of the most successful musicians, starting with Louis Armstrong, that be you know got arrested. You know, for possession and smoking, but it was a part of his Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast, a weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. What's up, cannabis culture, and welcome to a brand new episode of Blue Dream Radio. I'm your host, Freedom, but you can call me free. And today we have an amazing show. We have two powerful sisters, Michelle Fields and Yannick Williams from the Mary Jane Consulting Group. And they're going to break down the industry for us. They're going to break down how you can become a CEO, how you can become an exec, how you can make money off this industry, and how this industry is keeping us out after making so much money off our backs. If you are interested in learning more about the cannabis industry, please stay tuned. And I hope you enjoy our episode. Peace. Welcome to Blue Dream Radio. This is your host, Freedom, but you can call me free. We're here today with um, uh, uh, two attorneys that's going to give us an overview of how um, the legal community is dealing with legalization in New York City. Um, we're going to go a little bit into the history of how New York became um, an illegal state. And, and then we go from there and how advocates right now are um, taking the, the road to fight for a decent um, bill that's going to protect communities of color um, in, a, in a bigger range. Um, so we're going to go straight in. So I'm not going to say much. I'm just going <laughs> to let them introduce themselves. And I'm just going to go ahead um, introduce yourself. Um, who are you and why are we here today? My name is Michelle Phils. I'm a cannabis attorney. I actually have been an attorney for almost 18 years um, with a um, area of practice in criminal, business, immigration, as well as contract. Um, and um, my name is Yannick Williams. Um, I've been practicing for about six years. Um, started in criminal, have done some commercial, but I now consider myself um, a cannabis attorney. Okay. Yes. I'm going to ask you the three, the how, the why, and the what got you interested into, um, to get into the cannabis um, law. Right. Well, it's, for me, it was a natural transition for me, number one. Um, just being around the plant, um, also representing those that are charged or were charged with possession, um, representing marginalized and criminalized communities, um, and as well as being a business entrepreneur um, and understanding the regulations um, in regards to the criminal um, justice system and control substance act which is the guiding um, um, law in regards to the cannabis industry on the federal level um, it was a natural transition for me okay. um, my goal um, and my mission as a cannabis attorney is to keep you specialize those 
especially for those that are marginalized, um, to increase our presence in the industry. For those that are coming in um, as entrepreneurs, um, to make sure that we have a you know place in this industry that we I keep them compliant, help them to navigate the regulatory landscape, and also to really increase you know, black and brown um, ownership in this industry, not just as consumers, but owners as well. Yeah, because that's, that's my, one of my biggest problems, is how can we become, um, like, not just consumers, but CEOs of these companies, um, that a lot of these companies are coming in from Canada, all over the place. Um, Canopy Growth just bought, like, a big field of, of in New York State to grow um, hemp right. um, a, few, a few weeks back. So all these companies are coming in and they're not thinking about equity. They're not thinking about um, uh, a sustainable program that's going to push our people out of, out of the poverty that they created on the war on drugs right. for so long. Right. So I'm just going to go into um, you and, and then you tell us um, why, the what, and the how got you into um, and, and she, um, Michelle told me you had an interesting story. Yeah, that, it's a little bit more personal is, yeah. for me. So... I was born in Jamaica, West Indies, grew up, uh, left when I was about 10, but I was going back and forth. When I was about 16 or 17, I had two family members that were actually deported back to Jamaica for marijuana. My uncle actually was in the Navy, um, so he was in the armed forces, he served, and- Both for this country. For the United States. Okay. And as soon as they found him with, it wasn't even that much, he was deported. My aunt also deported. I think the, the issue for me was to deport two persons who had not been back to Jamaica in over 20 years. So they had no idea even how to navigate, you know, a life on an island that they hadn't lived in in over 20 years. And so they don't have no, no, no rooted connection? No, my father was still there, but... He didn't really know them because he hadn't, they hadn't lived there. So it was personal for me because, you know, ever since I was like, I think 14, I used to say, why are we so gung-ho on marijuana? Why don't we just legalize it and tax it? I've, I've been saying that before it even happened. And so, you know, seeing how it kind of rocked our family and kind of rocked just how to get them back into society was really one of the real reasons I said, no, we got to get in this business and make sure that we are not continuously affected by the negative connotations associated with marijuana. And, and, and that's a, 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 good, a good way to put like the connection or the intersection between um, the, La, the, the Latino community and, and, and because they migrate over here. Right. And a lot of the issues that, you know, started the war on drugs was because a lot of people from, from Mexico yes. um, were um, using it recreationally. Right, right. And they were like, you know, we can't have that. Right. Um, so it's like seeing those connections. Because I'm Dominican from Dominican Republic. I came here when I was 12. I'm ashamed to say I've never been back right. since I came. And I'm 36 years old. So imagine me being right. deported back. Back to a country you don't know, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I would do. only thing is you speak the language, but... That's, about, That's it. about it. You don't know how to get around. And nowadays, I only think in English. Right. Like sometimes I'll be like, how do you say that in Spanish? Right. right. <laughs> so, so, you know, that was really my driving force in getting into this industry. And also, Michelle, like, we had talked about it. 
you know, we had been brainstorming about it also for a while because we knew it eventually was going to come yeah. to New York State. And in all honesty, another reason why, I'm going to be very honest, was we would watch, like, a lot of CLEs. This was, like, continuing legal education from California and all these other states. And believe it or not, there were no black attorneys, women or men, that were on any of these panels talking about the legalization, the business, or how to get into the business. And I thought that that was just a disservice to the black attorneys that are out there. And, and this is one of the reasons why I'm doing this. this I'm, I started this, this podcast. It's because I was searching and searching. I, I found one on, on SoundCloud. Um, one podcast that was talking about cannabis, and that was in 2016. Right. So she hasn't put out... She put out one, I think, like, last week or something, but it was, like, just a promo. Right. So she hasn't posted anything because there's not enough information out there for our communities um, to understand how can they get into the business and how this business has been criminalized um, in, in a way that are separating families and breaking down communities. There's a lot of information. The information is not readily available right. to black and brown communities. That's true. There's a lot of communities. There's not a lot of us that is, one, sharing that information that's in the space to provide the information, come back to our communities and provide them with that information. Because at the end of the day, our consultant um, firm is about education empowerment and also making sure there's community engagement. Um, this is an industry that is represents is represented by 80% or 88% white, and we only represent 4.3%. So, so before we get into that, that's a perfect segue. So can you, um, talking about education, can you educate us a little bit of how in the U.S. it became uh, an illegal um, thing to do, and especially in New York State, how, how this came about that this plant that, you know, has been used for centuries um, from communities all over the world um, is being demonized and, and created an a, a, a evil um, substance out of it. So why was that? They created an evil substance out of it. They called it the devil's lettuce. Um, and it starts back, historically, it goes back to 1939. Before 1939, we did have products that you know, contain cannabis. Cannabis was readily available. It's not until we start getting a huge, you know, insurgence of, you know, now what they call, you know, the derogatory name marijuana. So it started, you know, after 1939. It started, I mean, both of them, everything comes from cannabis sativa L. They, it's, this is a plant. You know, THC and um, cannabinoids are, you know, uh, CBD are cannabinoids. And CB we have those cannabinoids in our bodies. Yes. That we already have receptors. In exactly. Our body for those, for those types exactly. of Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I'm gonna just um, pass the the U.S. now. Why was it legal in New York State? Um, and I'm gonna pass it. Right. If you know so, why. We want to really talk about, before you can get to the New York, because New York, everyone is have to understand that what is still in effect and it's the Controlled Substance Act. Okay. Um, during the time of Ancillor um, and during the time of Ronald Reagan, that's when, you know, marijuana, uh, cannabis was actually put, was Schedule. now a Schedule 1 right. um, right. controlled substance. Yeah. And it was put there with cocaine, opioids, Heroin. And heroin. Which opioids um, you can find in people's cabinets. 
Right. Go get a prescription. Right. From the so it is now a Schedule One. It has not been descheduled, and because it's a Schedule One, that means that it is illegal federally. Right. You know, um, state action has nothing to do with the federal law at this time. Okay. Um, we're pushing state action because we are saying that we do not want federal interference. Let the states decide. Which how we had a big win. The Congress um, just blocked. The, the DEA from, from um, intervening right. states that are illegal. Well, right. yeah, so just briefly on that point, what has happened is basically they have said is if you want to go after the state-run facilities, you have to use your own money. We're not going to put it in the budget. Okay. For you to go into the budget and say we're going to use this budgeted money specifically for this, for this task force. So it's not in their budget anymore. So that's kind of the reason they have backed off of trying to go into the states and enforce right. the federal rules. That's good to know. Right. You're not going to use federal do dollars for right. enforcement. This is going to be a little bit edited. That's you fine. You Unique. <laughs> Unique. Okay, I won't forget it. Right. So, but you have to understand, as we, you know, we have now 12 states that are fully legal. Mm -hmm. um, we have we have 35 more states to go. Um, yeah. Or oh, 39 more states. I meant 39. And you know. And the capital we, of the world, and we're dealing with this. And we have, no. And it's fully well, legal in D.C., too. Yeah. It's, well, D.C. is... And, and Massachusetts. Well, D.C. is a hybrid. It's a hybrid, Because you right. cannot grow okay. in D.C. Because it's you federal You cannot property, cultivate. Everything. You that's can, an issue for me. But you um, can... Pos we need to get to. But you can possess. You can't sell in D.C. Okay. So you still have to... You, the CSA is still there. And when I am speaking to my clients and I am speaking to my community, I speak under the guise of the Controlled Substance Act because people need to understand that you still there's still a risk yes. there. There is no interstate, you know, transportation. Right. You cannot, okay. you know, transport. You cannot. You can't go from Jersey, Jersey to New York with so, so the to, flower. To connect that, like, what entities in the United States do not want cannabis to be become legal? If you can name it, what well, entities? Well, you know, the pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical companies are who really doesn't want cannabis to be legal because if it becomes legal, that knocks out a lot of their drugs and a lot of things they are trying to develop. Because if we really think about it, medicinally. Cannabis, it's not only to get high. You know, you've seen, seen people with Parkinson's who don't shake anymore after they do it. You know, you've seen people with PTSD who feel better after they either smoke or they take some kind of edible. I'm, I'm from Connecticut and I have my medicinal card. So right. I have, I have chronic headaches. Like right. I get like massive headaches. Right. Before I started using like medicinal cannabis. Right. Um, I was still getting headaches using the regular stuff from the street. Right. But when I was using medicinal cannabis, right. those headaches don't come right. back like they used to come back. Right. And so, you know, I have an issue. I have psoriasis in my head and I've been taking a lot of over like prescription drugs. I haven't had a chance to try like the CBD, but I'm thinking if I try it in some way, I will get relief. Because the reality of it is, is if cannabis becomes legal, the pharmaceutical company, their, 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 their outlook shrinks a lot. Because, you know, although we haven't had a lot of scientific research, we've seen people, we've seen people where, you know, chronic pain, like you said, headaches, you know, epilepsy, you, epilepsy all those things. It just, for some strange reason, zends you out. Yeah. Even and, for dogs. Right. <laughs> Even right. For animals. Right. Yeah. So... 
that's who really doesn't want this to be legalized. Okay. There are uh, several qualifying conditions. You know, I think Big Pharma, you know, their opposition um, is because of the money. You know, mm -hmm. this, 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 especially the U.S. I mean, nationally, Big Pharma, it's all about money. Yeah. You know, sick people make money. Mm-hmm. You know, six people is where you get your That's money. That's why they love when it's exactly. like the cold weather, when it's cold and then hot and then exactly. cold. Exactly. Exactly. Go but but people need to understand the difference between you know cannabis and CBD. Yeah. CBD um, is the actual wellness, the 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 medicinal component of the plant. That's where people with epilepsy, people with PTSD, people with, you know, um, cancer, um, people with arthritis, psoriasis, people that suffer from, you know, sleep deprivation, people that have anxiety, CBD. People you know, that cannot sleep. Right, that sleep um, deprivation, yeah. they're using CBD oil. And what people don't, what we don't understand is that CBD usage is outpacing actual flower mm -hmm. um, CBD um, you know that market and and people need to also understand when you are buying CBD all you want to make sure that you're getting it getting your 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 product from a reputable you know store not CVS not you know Dwayne Reed you want to go to a health food store you want to go um, to a health food store because you want to ask them for their certificate of analysis mm. because you want to know um, that you are actually ingesting, you know, CBD. Because now, like, now Seco is selling CBD Right, oil but those oils... Right. And some of those don't even contain any yeah. oil at yeah. all. Yeah, <laughs> and you want to make sure that it's pesticide-free, um, herbicide-free, mm -hmm. metal-free. You know, you want to make sure that there's no toxins in your CBD. So, so can I ask you, what's the difference between medical legalization and recreational legalization? Okay, so let me just tell you that cannabis is not the new. Legal cannabis is a new emerging mar market. Medical... Um, Medical use is for those that have a qualifying condition and they have qualified for their medical marijuana card. So with that qualification of all any of those conditions, PTSD, that means all black and brown communities, you guys can get your uh, medical marijuana card because we all suffer from PTSD. We all have been suffering trauma since we've been here. This, so, um, this, um, I'm forgetting her name, but she wrote a book, uh, um, um, The Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Yes. You ever read? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. By Joey DeGray. Yeah, okay. so, so that's, you, know, you guys that's can great. use that. That's your qualifier. But with your mar a medical marijuana card, that means that you can go to the medical marijuana dispensaries, which is only um, 10 in New York State. Mm -hmm. And you go in. Um, they do not sell flour, though. Mm -hmm. They only sell tinctures. Um, Where? Here in New York City? In New York City, you have, you have Cure Leaf. You That's had Metmen, mm -hmm. um, you have Etane, which is not medical. Right. Um, I think they are. Um Cure Leaf is right here in Forest um, Hills. Um, MedMen is right in the city. So with your medical marijuana car, you they have products there that contain, you know, one to one. It can be, you know, they'll show you how to microdose. It contain a high percentage of THC, low C B D. Or it contain, you know, it can be either spectrum, full spectrum, or isolated. For those that are 
you know, if you are dealing with, if you're bipolar, if you have a, you know, if you are dealing with schizophrenia, you really don't want to deal, have a high THC product because it's psychoactive. So it's going to trigger your psychosis even more. Whereas with CBD, you can use it for chronic pain, sleep deprivation, and it's, um, CBD is uh, non-psychoactive, it's non-intoxicated, it's not going to get you high. Yeah, it yeah. contains only 0.03% THC. Okay. Now, some products contain more THC and a lower, you know, percentage of CBD. You have to know your body. You got to know, you know, microdosing, how much you can take. And you need to really talk to, you know, either your health food, uh, you know, someone that has, you know, strong product knowledge. And you need to ask for a certificate of analysis. And you need to understand... They have to carry that. They have to carry yes. it. You okay. should demand it. You should not buy any product without a certificate of analysis. That's good knowledge to know because, <laughs> you know, you can't just buy it from everywhere. Right. Just right. Think about that. You cannot just buy medicine that's supposed to be healthy from anywhere right. and everywhere. And, you can, and not all CBD oil is the same. So what you can do, a QR hack is... Um, for people that have Androids or Apple phones, you can um, download the Q, um, QR, QR scan. Yeah. When you go into a store, okay. you scan the barcode. The barcode would then lead you to the batch number. If, they, it, if the batch number does not take you to the COA, that's not a product that you want to purchase. Right. If the health food store does not have a COA for that particular brand, that's not something that you want to purchase. That's good to know. Um, so... Um, a follow-up question on that. So, in, in the recreational, so what's the recreational part of that? So now they they legalized it um, um, medically in about it's eleven recreational, and then um, what is it? Twenty twenty-four medically. Um, There's no legalization here in New York City. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about legalization. I'm talking about in the U.S. The difference between Oh, okay. Oh, more so states are definitely yeah. medically uh, legal. Medical. But what's the difference between the two? Okay, medical is that you have to have a marijuana, medical marijuana card. From a doctor. From a, a doctor. licensed doctor. So that means that you can't possess it, you can't grow it, you can't, you know, you can't smoke it out in public. You have to go to a dispensary. You know, you have to be, you have to, you know, be in possession legal legally through your medical medical marijuana card okay all right Recre recreational use means that in some states and we were hoping that new york under recreational or retail use that it allows you know a person to have six plants in their home okay okay it allows you to cultivate it allows you to, possess you know, it, possess, smoke um, it, smoke eat it, it, eat it. <laughs> yes, Obviously production, sell other yes. activities, distribution. It would allow edibles with, you know, twenty-five milligrams of THC. Right, you right. know. But the only thing, you know, and I really, you know, people need to understand the regs are going. New York, once it is legalized, is are going to follow regs from other states. Yes, especially California. Um, especially Oregon and Washington State. So I want to ask you, um, Unique and Michelle. Um, so what what's the what was the bill that just um, got turned down? Um, even though they did pass decriminalis uh, decriminalization mm -hmm. bill, yeah. uh, but 
what was the bill that just got shut down um, through, through the Senate in New York? It was called the MRTA bill, the Regulation of Taxation Act. And basically that act um, was in this bill, section 1527-8 and 1617. Um, and what that act would have done, um, that act would have allowed production, sell, and, and other activities related to cannabis. I don't use the word marijuana, but for cannabis, cannabis yeah. and can, can, cannabis products in New York State. It also would have restructured the criminal penalties for marijuana use, possession, and sale while establishing a regulatory structure similar to what exists for alcohol in New York State. Okay. And when it comes to the regulation of alcohol, people need to understand, just this like alcohol, New York State has what we call the DRAM law, okay. or the DRAM Act. That means that if you were to go into a dispensary, especially a retail or recreational dispensary, if I come in and a customer is already intoxicated, you know, and so, clearly yeah. visible intoxicated, and you sell him, you know, a butt, or you sell him purple, or you sell him OG Kush, or, or you edibles. sell him Pan Panama Express, you sell him that bud, and he goes out, he smokes it and goes out and gets in a car accident, and someone is injured. Injured, that dispensary could possibly could possibly be liable if there is a nexus and yes. connection. If they can actually show that it was connected to right, the, so right, the usage right. So the liability is there as well. Yep, okay. and just just like alcohol, so um, they're going to regulate it. Like they said, um, just like they're regulating um, alcohol. Um, number two, in regards to that regulation, people need to understand um, that if you have a retail dispensary, you're not going to be able to sell alcohol. You're not going to have two licenses. You're not going to have... It's either or. It's, yes. Yes, exactly. So bars, restaurants that sell food um, and have sell alcohol, you're not going to be able to sell, you know, cannabis. Or cannabis, you know, infused. edibles infused. infused. You can't. Ooh. You're not gonna. That's not gonna happen. Right. You're not that's gonna be. Fact. No. <laughs> that's, that's what I. That's so, what I really want to I, do. I just to wanted to add something right. really quickly too. Um, this is New York State, but we also have to look at New York City. Okay. And New York City is unique because it's very different from all the other cities out there well, why is that? because New York City's concentration of the amount of people that actually live in just this the five boroughs it becomes a problem so what the mayor was proposing which he had his team do research based on thinking that it was going to pass um, in Albany the mayor was proposing New York's own New York City's own set of specific rules with regarding how they can open dispensaries. Okay. So some of those things would be like you would have to go to your community boards. Okay. And you know your community boards is how you get your alcohol license for people that don't or know a club. that. Yes, you go to community boards, you have to go and present to these community okay. boards why you believe that you should do it. And then people don't realize that these community boards have a lot of power. Yes, they do. You know, these community boards really can say yes so or no. So the message is go to your community board Go meetings. to the meetings. Go, you know, get you to get. know these people. Yes. Get to understand, you know, the, what, workings. the workings, how they like things done. Because believe it or not, 
I've, me and Michelle sat in on a community board meeting and it was intense. It is intense. You know, I did not expect I, so <laughs> to get the third degree like that. My you know? background is community, uh, community organizing. Okay. So I, I, I came up from union organizing right. and started off in 32BJ. Okay. Um, and then from there I went to, to non-profit work. Um, and, um, and, and going to those meetings, I had to go to those meetings to engage people. Um, they they are fierce. They're they, intense. And they don't play those nope. games. And, your presentation um, has to yeah. be right. You have to be dressed right. You, you have to know what time. you're talking about. And they have to know you. Yes. Okay. Do not come into a community board, you know, pitching your dispensary. Because the ego. first question they're going to ask, do you know us? Right. Do you live here? No. Do you know us? Do you live here? Not only have you been to a community board meeting, but have you been to one of the civic organization meetings right. that work hand in hand? So the people that are on the community board are a part, are heads of their civic organization in their, you know, neighborhood. Respective neighborhoods. So, Respect so let's say a canopy growth want to come in. They have to go through the community board. <laughs> It would be the way Bill de Blasio was structuring it for New York City specifically was yes. Which failed. Would because the it didn't go up right yeah. right through it didn't the pass. state. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. the way he was saying is that we have to give the power not to the city to decide, but to each community board of each because who knows the neighborhoods better than the people that have lived there like all Cuomo, their like lives. I wanna, I wanna take, Cuomo doesn't know no New York no, City. You know what I'm saying? I want to take um, over the profit, so I, I dictate how the profit is being right. Directed. So you know, right. there. I can't mean, have that. I have the I have the mayor's report so, so, that you can read. So I want to um, a follow up question would be: What was the halt? Why why? It didn't pass. I mean, people were like fighting hard. There was, I mean, on, on social media, it was a boom of people pushing for this legislation to be passed. So what happened? I honestly think that, you know, the tax revenue, they had an issue um, with how that money was going to be right. spent, especially when it um, came to social equity and black and yes. brown communities. And to be honest with you, they didn't want to give any of that money to us. Right. And I think that we have a few, like, angels up there that are saying this is absolutely not going to pass. Like who? Unless we have social equity. Who, who, uh, I don't know their names. I can't remember their names, too. but there is a group. Why can't I remember this group? The there is a group uh, yeah. that mm -hmm. goes up to Albany and the drug policy. The drug policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Shout um, out to her. Yeah, Frederick. Yes. Normal. Yes. Um, those groups. They're, they're vocal. Cultural. Yes. Um, vocal. Vocal. Yeah. Uh, mothers um, for um, women grow. They're actively um, But I'm talking lobbying. about CBOs. I'm talking about the grass, um, the community-based organization like vocal the grassroots organizations um, the mothers for you know legalization okay. like you cannot those are that's the power what we have been finding as we speak in our communities that our communities are not informed about what's going on in albany they are not informed about you know the legalization process what does or it how mean? It works. What does the social equity component mean for us? For us, you know, and who's going to be in charge of that money? And how you does know, it get divvied up? Yeah, how you it, know, it's going to. How, how do we determine what percentage goes where and right. what percentage goes here? Right. You know, because right. 
you know, it seems like some people want it to use to fix a subway system. And it's like, listen, that's the least of our worries right now. We need to fix these schools in these inner cities. Right. Because so, so what would be a perfect bill that our people in our community should be, um, um, like for you, if you, if you write in, if you call writing a bill, what would be the perfect bill that you put, will put that's forth a really good that question. would be including like social equity like cause people use social equity but what does that mean like what would you want to say exactly that's well, that's the question for me you well for me i would make sure that the industry is not dominated by big cannabis corporations that would be number one important for me and i think the other important part would also be that there are a certain number of minority owned businesses like they are able to get access to a certain number of licenses, especially the people that are affected the most, people living in South Jamaica, people living in those areas, people living in the inner, the real inner cities. That is important to me to make sure that I can walk into a dispensary, the cashier is black, the bud tender is black, the person that owns the dispensary is black or Hispanic. The person that owns the building that the dispensary is in is black or his, you know, is of a person of color. So for me, that is rewarding to go in there and say, you know what? Wow, we really did get. Did you connect Yeah, I, I, we really did get people of color into a space where they have eliminated us basically at this point. And then what I always say, like the cannabis industry is only going to become legal once. Right. So if you, if, if you miss, miss the train, that's, that's it. it. Right. <laughs> right. So what, Michelle, what would right. social equity be for you? I do for me, social equity is, it's not just about decriminalization and expungement. It's more than that. Social equity to me is a micro economy. That's number one. It is a participatory community that allows for diversity and inclusion, that allows for ownership. There's incubators helping those that are interested in ownership, you know, really, you know, um, enter into the um, industry as entrepreneurs, as investors, um, as farmers, as cultivators, distributors, um, as transporters. Um, those ancillary you know, um, positions are necessary in our community. Social equity also means that we are reinvesting, we are right. regenerating, we are, you know, restoring, you know, and, you know, we are, you can't solve it, but you are somehow addressing the harm that is caused by, right. you know, criminalization in black and brown communities. Um, but that also means that, you know, we have a voice. And when it comes to the allocation of those tax revenues, the people, you know, should have, you know, a say of how those resources are allocated. Um, and as well as how are you going to reinvest that money in our communities? Because expungement is one thing, Thank but, you, you know... We need job security. Yeah. We need, you know, training. We need to teach people how to be CEOs. You know, we need to teach people to understanding how this billion, billion, billion dollar industry by 2022 um, right? is going to um, benefit those that in communities that were criminalized by the war on drugs. The, by the war on drugs. Stop just asking for expungement. Right. We, we, we want need more. on ownership. We need to repair. We need to, 
you know, restorative justice when it comes to um, these legislation. And people need to understand we need to do away with these barriers. Mm -hmm. These barriers such as, you know, if you still have outstanding student loan, yeah. you cannot get a license. If you have been charged, and this is not only, you know, for, you know, cannabis, but this is for hemp too. Yeah. In some states, you cannot get a hemp or cannabis license if you have a prior felony conviction. Is hemp legal or not? Hemp, hemp is legal um, if it possesses zero point. Industrial hemp is legal, period, because hemp only has 0.03% THC. So, yeah, it is legal. Um, but getting the hemp license, it's, there are barriers to that yeah, as well. Sure. Um, you cannot have prior convictions for any drug-related offenses okay. or any fel felony convictions. In some state like Colorado, again, like I said before, you cannot even have outstanding student loans. So, so um, and that's um, beautiful, you know, about talking about the, the industry and how can you get into the business and all of that. So what's going to happen to the black market? Uh, because my fear is that even though they legalize, they're going to legalize it, um, they're still going to be putting black and brown bodies in jail because they're going to crack down on my butt tender from the corner uh, because, you know, they demonize them. And now, um, you know, they call the other people butt tenders. They call them drug dealers, uh, but they butt <laughs> tenders. Um, so how can, so what's going to happen with that? How do you see that um, 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 playing out? Right. Well, your black market, your underground market is sustainable. The, the underground market as of today is, you know, the market that is really the most profitable market as of today. The medical marijuana dispensaries are not making money because it, you know, first of all, the product costs a lot when you go into the dispensary. Um, Okay. Um, the product um, costs a lot. Your insurance doesn't cover it. Um, so that's a major issue. And first of all, the quality. And people want to know who, you know, where their product is coming from. And so if you're used to going to Harlem Branson, that's who you used to go into, you know. And those people are not coming, you know, up on the regulatory scene. Okay. You know, that's number um, two. Number three... Also, a part of this new de decriminalization, anything under, anything over two ounces, you still are facing, you know, arrests and you're still facing charges. Yeah. So there is, I mean, there is going to still be, you know, criminalization. There is. There is. And then I'm afraid that it's just us that's going to be still targeted um, while some, um, a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old becomes a Jameson. Of, of cannabis and and us, we're still being criminalized for something that's that's other people are making billions of dollars and creating generational wealth. And I always use that. I'm using that more. It's like because I believe in that. It's like it's time for us now to create that generational wealth because um, people are already done it. Right. So why can we take this as our entryway to becoming? Uh, because one of the things, because um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna bring it back. We went. That's how we met. Right. We went to the Cannabis Expo. Yes. Um, and I was sitting down with the CEO of Canopy Grow. Yeah. Um, and this guy, he don't, he's saying, he was mentioning Snoop Dogg. And he's yeah. saying that's the way that he's reaching out. I'm like, if you're using Snoop Dogg, 
for for you to reach out to me. He already got money. I don't want to see this new. That's like, a gimmick. It sounds yeah, very gimmicky. Like, yeah, he got money. Like I don't I don't want to hear that that he was using uh, Martha Stewart. I'm like Martha Stewart. She committed a a a, a crime and she went uh, in house arrest. And people praised her for <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't want to hear that. Like how you gonna how you gonna partner up with with local people like me? Like my business is is the is the black media. I'm creating. A, a space for us to have a voice. How are you going to invest on me? For me to create that space for my community to have a voice on what concerns them when it comes to this industry. Right. Because they have no cor corporate social responsibility. They don't no, want any. They don't. They should. And he's not about social equity. He's about the, Making his you know, money. money. And, and let's be honest, like his whole, you know, um, reason for being and his whole transition into this industry um, it's the money, you know, and the fact that you now are coming. He's all the way from Canada. Most of the people on his team are former politicians. Yep. So he had an in right right there. Number two, Canopy just actually, they're in between a merger and M&A with Acreage. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know who sits on that. Acreage? Yeah. John. A, um, on the, the um, board of directors of Acreage. The person that sits on the board of the director of Acreage is Jay speaker. Brown. He is the CEO yeah. and the founder of Rock, Rock Nation. Uh, right. Rockaware. Yeah. All right. As, as a gimmick. Oh um, no, he sits on the board of directors. Okay. Of Acreage. Okay. So it's not a no. I'm sorry. Uh, let me take that back. You can you know kind of yeah. edit this. Jay Brown actually sits on the board of directors of MedMen. Yeah, okay. MedMen. MedMen. The person so that sits on the board, board of directors, directors, I think you're thinking is John Boner, John, which is the former, former speaker, speaker of the house. house oh. That sits on when acreage. Was, when he was in office, right. he, he was totally, a, no, I, no legalization. No legalization. Now, he's set to make millions. Yeah, I didn't even know that. He's set to make millions be, if they legalize marijuana. Right. So, so he's now lobbying. His former Washington friends and to, mad about it to legalize it. No, no, he's not no, mad he's not about mad. it. They're, they're listening. They're listening because now he sits on now a board of so so canopy canopy and acreage. Is this is a billion dollar M and A? M and A, yep. And the the, the board What's is already mergers and, and acquisition. acquisition. Okay. And basically, it is stipulated on them descheduling the drug, cannabis. Right on a you know federal, federal level yes. so if it's not it's not going to go through right. but if it does mr bunk they call him john bunger yeah. um because he was a he former is speaker of the, the 12 of the board of directors not only is he on the board of directors the former governor of, of massachusetts, massachusetts is on the sits on the board of director yeah. too and all of these board of directors don't look like us no. the only person we know um, that's on the board that comes from my community that looks like us is Jay Brown. The CEO of okay. Rock Nation, yeah. yeah Rock. Because he, he, he got money. Yeah. Well, right. I, I, well, because I think when I read the the article, it was because they felt as though he kind of understands the business. He understands business overall. overall, not just cannabis. And they thought his input would have been a great addition to the board. How to market to black people. But... <laughs> Med Men is in a mess right now. Yeah, I Med mean, Men is a hot mess, mess right, right now. now. Because you there's know. allegations of racism, 
by the CEO that MedMen is a, a what's, what, what was it they, a piggy bank a piggy a, bank. the CEO's piggy bank <laughs> he would take money out and do whatever he wanted to do with it so MedMen is a hot mess right so let's talk about the impact areas of this industry when it comes to black and brown people and and our communities need to understand that if you live in NYCHA housing if you live in the five boroughs that if you are you know, um, arrested for possession or convicted for possession of marijuana, that is a guaranteed exclusion or eviction from NYCHA housing. Oh, man. Now, all federal housing. Oh, all all federal housing. Oh, what about, like, um, um, like services, like health care and all that? Okay. Medicaid. Well, well you, Medicaid. Can you lose your Medicaid? Um, we, haven't, we haven't addressed that, but you don't lose your Medicaid because you can't buy, you know, you can't use Fidelis or anything to, you know, buy your product right you know and yeah your insurance doesn't cover it um food stamps you food stamps you would no you he's can't. asking if you would lose no 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 but what you will lose if you do have your medical marijuana card and you are a gun owner yeah, registered gun, gun, gun owner because it when you get your medical marijuana um card you are registered they put you in the data bank you put you in a data bank and that's shared with the you know it's you know the feds. Yeah. So once you go and try to renew or you apply for your you know gun license, um, you're you gonna be to go denied. You, oh, you're gonna have to turn it in. So you can't have one yeah, or the I other. Can't have no gun, yeah. Right. And if you're a federal worker and if you have security, like clearance, security clearance, you cannot even own cannabis stock. Yeah. That's crazy. You can't even, even the stock. You can't even just buy and try to make some money. No. No. Even You're if you own that stock that's at two dollars per share, <laughs> like you, you sell only, that thing, you have to sell it. Though. You can you you won't dare take your clearance. That's what's going on with Elon Musk because yeah. he was on this a, a podcast smoking marijuana. It was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what? You're about to lose your clearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're not playing no games with you. And games. also, um, your president has also. Um, you know, you know, their president right. has, um, yeah, <laughs> has, 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 you know, um, signed an executive order that states that if you are a LPR, which is very important with your, our community, um, if you are undocumented and if you work oh, in the cannabis industry, you're getting deported. You are not, you know, what, you know, in regards to your naturalization, you uh, do, you do not have the character, um, the fitness, yeah, the fitness to, fitness and character. to yeah, me. I have to bring you back to this because <laughs> there's so much to unpack because one of the things we were talking about on the phone when we first, um, when we were setting this up, um, was, um, the, the union, union yes. jobs. Yes. Like what's going to happen to those growers where they need people to pick. Um, those buds, like, are they going to be union jobs? Or are they going to who are they going to hire to? They to definitely but, can't but. hire <laughs> immigrants to do that, you know. Because exactly, and I don't really, you know. The union aspect of you, like, are you, they going to be union jobs? Um, for this? that's going to be that's going to be gonna another up area. To the union, and that's going to be another area. And I don't that we really think, have to and I really because these are going to be in the growth facilities. Right. You I don't know, know if the union would get involved. I don't think because the union I think because would of the involved. leadership and the I mean, stigma. I, I don't know, know if the UFCW. I think they were trying to get involved into in Connecticut mm -hmm. and, and New Jersey. I know they were 
talking to the industry leaders there, um, the growers leaders. There. Well, you know what? But when you're talking about with NCOs and multi-state operators that is in it for the money, they they're not money sitting down at the table with union um, leaders. No, so that's a different conversation for another time. So, like, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the negative that our communities are suffering um, from this industry mm -hmm. and booming, um, booming to, to a way that um, nobody could, could I mean, we could expect it that it was going to blow. At some point, Yeah, right. this way. But what do you see our communities, what's the major win that you have seen our communities win um, when it comes to the cannabis industry? What have, like, what's the... I'm going to be honest, I had. haven't seen a big win, but if I was going to say anything, I would say it's the fact that some states have went back and expunged people's records going back to the 70s. That's about it that I've seen for our community. And in New York City? Oh, and the decriminalization, but it's very bare bones decriminalization of marijuana. Okay. You know, a win to me is when, when we say a win, we are thinking of, all right, let's go to Colorado. Because as far as I know, there's one black dispensary in Colorado right black now. Yeah, one one black owner. One. One. And I heard there possibly is a second, but they don't want anybody to know that it's black owned. That's okay. what I've heard. There's possibly two. However, that's not a win to me. I don't care if you went back and you expunged my record from 10,000 years ago. The fact of the matter is that I can't get in on an industry that you rode on my back to... To, to make sure that My your prisons were filled, yeah. <laughs> th that's not a win. A win to me is to make sure in every legal, every state that decided to recreationally legalize it, we say, listen, if we're giving out 400 licenses this year, 250 of those licenses are going to minority-owned businesses. And, that's, and that's, that's too little. You know what I mean? That's too little. But, you know, if I'm just throwing a number, I'm just throwing something out there. You know what I mean? 75 to 25. Because at the end of the day, what happens is when you have these big businesses that come yeah. in, all they do is knock our little dispensaries yeah. out the way. Yeah, they buy them out. But that's why I say to people, these community boards and these, um, these neighborhoods like Springfield Gardens, St. Albans, Rosedale, South Jamaica, that area, I'm Long telling you, no, they don't. I'm telling you, the <laughs> community boards it. is gonna yeah. what is gonna be what makes or breaks right. Washington a lot of these people. Trust Washington. me. Also, we need as as um, the privilege that we have, we need to really start educating our communities because our communities are still yeah. it's taboo. They still oh no, I don't want to. I, I don't mess with that. That's the devil's let levis. We need to start that educational. Yeah peace and dismystifying the myth about the plant it's from the earth people and and we need to start having consistent conversations chat and choose with our yep. community you know our, our you know people in our communities the leaders in our communities the clergy um in our community everyone and that's something we have effectively been trying to mm -hmm. make sure we get out there We've been attending events all so, over yeah. New York City. So this is, you know, for us to, like, you know, the, our culminating question. It's like what people of color um, should do to advocate. Like whether they should go to, um, to advocate for cannabis if they want to get involved. Um, what events are coming up, if you know of any. Like how people can get involved in the fight 
to legalization? First, you know, first start, you know, the history. Yeah. Start with Netflix. Start looking yeah. at The Grass is Greener. Start looking at Hoboke County, um, Murder of Marijuana. Start going back and looking at, you know, I think it's called a secret plant or yeah. a secret garden. Start looking at the reefer madness. Start really, you know, the learning history. your history, history right. first. And then you start to now... You know, I understand. I understand my right to be in this industry. I understand what it took for now you talking about legalization and you have kind of like locked, you lock us up and you have locked us out, right? So I would suggest, you know, because my entry started with, you know, learning, yep. learning, listening, um, and, you know, leaning in in a way of attending all these different events, events. local yeah. events, start to mobilize in your yeah. own community, start having Our conversations with meetings. your family yeah. members. Yeah. I can, you know, my mom is, is doing, you know, CBD all now, you know, for her sleep. Start having these conversations with our elders, our OGs, and start, you know, building, because it's not a generational issue, it's a money issue. So, so I'm gonna give you a little bit like my mom. I'm Dominican, they old school Dominican, so they'd rather you be an alcoholic than a pothead. So it was a big step for my family that because my mom has lupus. Right. She I convinced her to go into the C B D. Right. But it was like a fight. It because was a fight, she right. she did not want to hear that. Right. She didn't want to talk about it. I have, I got my father first with, with the with the um stocks because he likes to make money. So right. I was like, this is the stocks you need to get on. Right. So if you, you know, this is going to be a booming industry, you're talking about that it's bad, but they're making money off of it. You drink alcohol, you like your little wine, so right. this is the same thing. So right. he got involved in that, and then I pushed my mother um, to actually take um, CBD, which Dominicans, they don't, they don't want to hear that. Right. They, they look at you like you are the worst person in the world right. if you if pick you up a job. Right. 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 I mean, you know, I think the first... Two months when when we when I started, for me personally, there was no reading about any events. It was literally just immersed in legalization. What's happening? What is it? Where are we? Where are we going? What do we see? That's it. There was you know we would talk and she sends me like articles every single night. So we're still reading. We're still even learning. learning. We're still educating ourselves. So I definitely think. One of the first events we went to was we went to Medgar Evers over in Brooklyn. Okay. And they had this event where they just had a panel of people come from Colorado, Baltimore. Baltimore. There was a couple other people. I can't remember. This guy that just didn't even touch the plant. He doesn't touch the plant. He just did branding for... Cannabis companies. For cannabis companies. companies. Yeah. Okay. So like he did. Logos, yes, he did all of that. Merchandising, everything. And you know, it was so interesting to see how many people are actually interested in the field of cannabis, yes. but don't know where to start. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And I think also the problem that we have is because there's so little African Americans or people of color in the industry, we tend to kind of have this mentality like, oh, well, we can't share too much because if we share too much, you're going to take money out of my yeah, pocket. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think 
we've just come to the conclusion that what's important is to make sure we mobilize our people to get in. So, like, when I went to the Cannabis Expo, like, my first impression when I came in there, first of all, like, I just bulldozed my way in there. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, right? So my first impression was, as soon as I walked in, there was two white guys talking, and they looked at me up and down, and they said, everybody that smoked weed wants to come to the, to the Cannabis Expo. I was like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. But I didn't pay attention. Then I'm walking in. You see the guys with the suits? Yes, yes. They were telling everybody. I got there early because I didn't know what time. You know, I was just trying to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, they say to everybody, how you doing, sir? How you doing, miss? No, it starts at 11. Step to this, to this side. As soon as they saw me, hey, bro, you need to go to the side. And I'm like, are you calling everybody mister and, and, right. and miss? Like, why you got to look at me and just automatically think I'm your bro? I'm right. not your brother. Like, right. treat me with some respect. Is right. that you're treating these people? Right, right, right. So it's like, it's intimidating for a person like me that's already, I'm a vocal person. And even, like, standing up and speaking and, and voicing my point in mm-hmm. those seminars was like I had to, like, write down, breathe. I was so nervous, like, what I'm going to say. It's like, even being in those spaces, like, white people were like, whoop, whoop, because they feel comfortable. It's like, it's my industry now. But me, as a person of color, like, I had to build my... You had to build up the answers. Build up right. to, to even ask the question. Right, right. And imagine people that don't have my, my um, like, interpersonal right. skills right. with other people. They will not speak. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing we're trying to do is we've met with a couple community boards and we've met with people outside of the community boards. And, you know, we're just trying to let them know, like, this is ours. And I've said this before and I will continue to say this. This plant belongs to us. Yeah. Right. It belongs to us. No, they haven't suffered. So they could say, oh, what's up, bro? They haven't suffered. They don't know what it is. And I think the problem, too, is they don't also, they don't appreciate the history of what marijuana is. Right. Mm-hmm. If you can't appreciate the history, you can't appreciate why you would be at the expo. Right. So it's just ignorance. And then there was, a, and I'm going I'm to mention another story. There was this guy, I won't, I know his name, but I won't mention it because he's like in there, but... He has a platform, and one of the questions he asked one of the legislators that were there, mm-hmm. um, um, like on the second day, there were some legislators from New York, um, and he's one of like the people that everybody knows in there, and he raises his hand and he asks a question, what would you tell politicians um, if, when they don't come to a beautiful, the Rose Room, look how beautiful it is. I'm like, beautiful for who? Because that Rose Room is not beautiful for me. Right. right. Like, what are you saying? How do you... How you um, how will you tell communities of color to go and advocate so when they see a room like this they don't see cannabis as evil? I'm like, what are you saying? You have the power to ask some real questions, and you asking that. Like our communities don't care about this expo. We should create our own right. expo. Exactly, <laughs> because at the expo, what it, you know, what I you know saw was there was a void. Of our presence, black and Latino. We looked for each other. We was looking for each other. Like, we connected because it was not... Any of us, right? Any of us. Like, five of us. And it was some, you know... But you, we need to be in the space to understand what's going on. And understand the movements and who are the players. And don't be afraid. You ask the questions. Yeah. And you say, listen, you know what? Why is this so secretive? Why is there so many barriers? Why, Why is there so out? many requirements? What? Why are y'all requiring $250,000, you know, license, non-refunded license 
fee. And, and people all the don't understand. Groups are in the back. Right, right. <laughs> and why is this panel all white and there's no black people, yeah. there's no lawyers up here? And why aren't you telling the people that, you know, what it really is? And why aren't you telling the people that you cannot go to the bank for a business loan for cannabis? Yeah. And why aren't you telling the people that you can't use the regular payment, your merchant payment system because they are freezing or they are, you know, ending all of the contracts. And why aren't you telling the people that they can't grow their own? That they can't they can't grow their own or you know you don't want them to be able to do in home growing. Yeah. You know, why aren't you telling them that? Why aren't you telling the people um that you know when you go into the marijuana dispensaries that you're paying, you know, the, high, the most you're paying is like a hundred dollars or more for product, and you're not even paying for flour. Yeah. You know, so. um, and why aren't you telling the? You know, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot of money in our communities. If we are able to mobilize, if we're able to, you know, collaborate. And I was telling someone, you know, we're talking about bank loans why can't we use the you know susus and the partners in our community to really build a team and really you know um fund our own you know initiatives why are you waiting on someone to give you something there's so much money in our black and brown communities so um uh, this has been great and i definitely because there's so much to unpack like cannabis is in it's in the intersection of so many issues right. um, that we need to unpack. And I would love to have you back. Yes. This was amazing. Both of you, Unique and Michelle, that was, you were great. Um, I could talk about this all day. I yes. sleep, eat, listen, breathe. There's a lot more things we can talk this. about. Like I'm constantly. We can make this a regular day. Yes, we should. We should because our people need, you know, the information. Yeah. We should not. Um, be low, you know, educators. So if if the, my listeners want to get in touch with you, both of you guys, yes. how would they get in touch with you? How okay. how would they, you know, research Michelle and you? Right. Well, my email address is mfields, F-I-E-L-D-S, at the Mary Jane Consulting Group dot com. And mine is Williams at the Mary Jane Consulting Group dot com. And my contact number is 917-673-5461. Oh, you gave your, your, your real digits. you got to have people calling you like crazy. <laughs> I hope you... I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Okay, this, yeah. was been, this has been great. Um, and thank you for being part of Blue Dream, the Blue Dream Radio family. Thank you. Um, thank you for having you. us. Thank yes. you for having us. And remember, people, you can get high or you can get healthy. Right. All right? <laughs> Preferably do both. Right. I think it works. Get healthy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's great. So All right. thank you so much. And, thank you. Um, um, we get back. All right, guys. That was our show. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to Michelle Fields and Yannick Williams from the Mary Jane Consulting Group for being part of our show. And if you have any thoughts, please drop us a line. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Blue Dream Radio, or RadioBlueDream at gmail.com. Thank you, and stay safe. Blue Dream.